Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. It's a Saturday. It's the 22nd day of April. I'm your host, Paul White. Thanks for joining me as we journey through the Gospel of Mark. We are in Mark chapter 8, and we are at the moment where Jesus has just fed the 4,000. We've had the 5,000 feeding a little earlier in the book. Now we've had the feeding of the 4,000. The Pharisees have come to Jesus and sought a sign, and Jesus said, you're not going to get a sign. We worked yesterday on the comparison between the moment where Jesus does say you'll receive a sign, it'll be the sign of the prophet Jonah, and this moment where he says no sign is given. Mark isn't really that concerned about this moment of the sign. Um, He's really concerned about the conversation that this leads to with the disciples because he ties the miracles of the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000 together. When they get into the boat in verse 13, he left them and getting into the boat again departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. There's your connection. There is Mark connecting these stories. I know I didn't give you the sermon to look for tomorrow. I'm going to do that at the end today. Okay, let's just keep rocking because we're already in... We're already in the boat with Jesus. We got our bread. All right. We'll talk about the sermon that posts right near the end. Um, so the fact that it's a story about bread is sort of the narrative leaning back into these two feeding miracles. It's going to tie this together. And Jesus then charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Leaven is not always bad because Jesus uses it in a positive sense in a kingdom parable when he says the kingdom of God is like a woman that drops uh, leaven into, into bread, into the meal, and then the loaf rises. And so in that case, leaven was the kingdom. So it's not some universal, because I've heard, I've heard it taught, and I think years ago I would have said this too, that leaven's bad, it's like it's sin, you know, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. So you put a little bit of sin in it, cause problem. That's adding, that's interjecting our thought into the passage. It's not taking Jesus serious. He's using an illustration that something small like leaven that gets dropped into the 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 dough becomes larger than what went in. It has a magnifying effect. And yes, sin can often do that in us because if you drop in a little bit of problem, most of the time it's a disproportionate amount of of results that you get. You might do a little thing that has a blow-up effect. Okay, that, but that can be positive or negative. So you could even use that illustration for you did something good in the world and boom, it blew up. It was like yeast. It was like leaven in the meal. His warning is to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And he throws in the leaven of Herod. And so this is an everyday illustration of bread, using it as a metaphor. And what seems like a because point back to this sign, we want to sign. It seems like kind of an innocent, maybe even indeed legitimate request for a sign. And Herod does the same thing later when Jesus is about to go to the cross and Herod says, show me something, you know, do a miracle. It's actually, it's not innocent. It's actually a rejection of everything he's done to this point. It's like saying to Jesus, okay, 
everything you've done up to this point, maybe we can come up with some kind of explanation for, or some of it's kind of stunning, but we don't really trust that you are what you say you are. Prove it. And so it's, I mean, if you didn't even have Matthew, Luke, or John, all you had was Mark. And at this point, you are in the middle of chapter 8. You are are 50% finished with the gospel of Mark. And here are the detractors of Christ saying, give us a sign. Which means you could, they are in effect saying, and I'm just doing a rough walk through here of this, okay? Here's what, in effect, this is what they're saying. You're casting out the unclean spirit in Capernaum. Um, that doesn't mean anything to us. Your healing of, of Peter's mother-in-law, that doesn't mean anything to us. When you cleansed that leper and his leprosy left him, eh, we don't believe that. When they tore the roof off the house and dropped the paralytic man in front of him, we got into an argument with you about whether you could forgive his sins or not, and you forgave him and then raised him up. We don't really believe that story. Um, whenever you healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath day, um, we don't really think that was legit. Um, whenever you, we, we heard the story that you went out onto the water and there was a storm and you said, peace be still, and it all stopped. We don't believe that story was true. Um, we heard you went into the Gadarenes and supposedly delivered a, a boy of a legion worth of demons Um, We don't think that really happened. We heard about Jairus, who was a leader in the synagogue. We don't know. We can't really trust that his word is true, that you brought his daughter back. And besides, we don't buy that whole woman with the issue of blood story either. Um, Feeding of 5,000 people with a kid's lunch? Come on. Walking on the ocean? Um, Don't believe it. Feeding of 4,000 people? Going in and healing a deaf mute by touching his tongue, um, going up to Tyre and Sidon and, and delivering a woman. Okay, I know I got exhausting there, replaying. I just replayed for you in really quick time seven chapters worth of the miraculous. By saying to Jesus in the middle of chapter eight, give us a sign, they're not just asking an innocent question, they're making an accusation. They're saying, none of this other stuff is legit. We don't believe it. We don't believe you either. We either don't believe you really did it, or we don't believe you're, it was of God. So we want to prove. God doesn't owe you a proof. He doesn't owe me a proof. He reveals himself to us through Christ. And that's what Jesus tries to tell us over and over again, is that it's only going to be through me. Now, I want to finish this story tomorrow. We'll break it down in the last half of the story, Jesus' response to his disciples. But I want to do as I promised, and that's tell you about the sermon coming up tomorrow. Um, Tomorrow, we are going to air for you a message we just preached. I just got back from Lincoln, Nebraska. My wife and I drove up to watch Lucas have his senior day. We got back on Tuesday just in time to take a shower, grab a sandwich, and go to the Tuesday night Bible study. Well, I had a word just stirring on my heart all weekend. And I didn't want to just record it for the camera. I wanted to record it for my friends, with my friends. And so instead of teaching Ephesians, I taught that lesson. It's the, it's the sermon that you're going to see tomorrow. It's called The Spirit of Grace. And this is a message that spoke very clearly to me. In fact, I got home from the meeting and I said to my daughter, Lauren, Hey, Lauren, what would you think of that word tonight? And she said, I really liked it. 
I feel like it was you preaching to you. Ooh, that's smart. Um, I needed to hear a refresher on the spirit of grace. And I hope it blesses you as well. We cover a lot of ground in this message. And I think it will just stir the embers of your grace soul. Watch and listen for the spirit of grace. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.